If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Leading Learning Podcast. And this is a special episode because it marks our one year anniversary. We have been doing the Leading Learning Podcast for one year and so we thought we would focus today on the idea of leading learning. But before we get to that, I want to be sure to thank Com Partners, makers of the Elevate Learning Platform, for being the sponsor for this episode of the Leading Learning Podcast. And you can find out more about Com Partners at compartners.com. So Jeff, leading learning. Yeah, it's amazing. We've gone a year, I think, without um, really digging into the, the fundamental concept that, that lies behind this podcast, that lies behind the Leading Learning Symposium that uh, we offer in the fall, and, and that really you know, um, goes as far back, at least, as um, Leading the Learning Revolution, um, and it was a major uh, concept there. And so, you know, just to dig into to that a little bit, I mean, we we started off this this podcast um, and, and named it Leading Learning, specifically with the Leading Learning Symposium in mind, and, and that's coming up again this October um, in Baltimore. And certainly, you know, we, we welcome leaders who are listening to the, to this podcast to go and find out more about that uh, event. Uh, you can go to symposium.leadinglearning.com. But but the concept just goes, you know, so far beyond that uh, event. And you know, even though we started this podcast as kind of a run up to that, we felt like it was something to to keep going, um, to keep a conversation going, and, and talking to people who are doing meaningful work in the business of lifelong learning, who are uh, helping uh, to kind of set the pace and, and lead uh, the, the field, um, and you know, over time to to really build up an understanding of what it does mean to lead learning. And I think one of the key ideas for us is just this notion that that. The leading really can have um, broad impact, broad change, that uh, you can look at a field or an industry that you're serving, and that if you are really leading the learning, um, there can be new skill development, new knowledge shared, all of that is passed on, and so you're not just uh, helping individual learners, you are doing that, but you're also really having a broad reach across an entire field of profession, and, and that seems like the the sort of holy grail of of leading learning to really have that sort of broad impact. Absolutely. I mean when you're when you're tuned into the learning that informs a particular field or industry, I mean like you said, you know, you're you're preparing the the, the future workforce for that industry. You're making it possible to sustain uh, that that field or industry by bringing people in, giving them the, the skills that they need, helping them to develop those skills they need. And we had a great conversation or you had a great conversation with uh, uh, Shelley Alcorn and Elizabeth Engel around that very topic uh, a couple of episodes ago. We'll definitely make sure we link to that. But uh, but learning, of course, is also, you know, it's the catalyst for change in just about any part of our life, at an individual level, at an organizational level, at the level of a field or industry or a society. So if you are going to be the organizational leader, if you're going to be the organization that's going to make change happen and move your particular field forward, then you have to have a, a forward-thinking vision of uh, you know what what that future state of your field or industry looks like, and then being, being and then take the time to think you know methodically about 
what kind of learning needs to happen to actually make that future vision a, a reality. And I mean, right now, this is just such a, a fundamentally important concept. And I think it um, makes the, the work that uh, the, the people who are listening to this podcast, uh, the work that they're doing is just so incredibly important for that reason. And I think because of some um, relatively recent changes, that work has just gotten increasingly important. I mean, uh, you've written um, before about uh, what you've coined as the other 50 years, this idea, you know, as we're living longer and longer, that time between people, when people leave, you know, college with a, a degree to the end of their life, that's, you know, at least 50 years. And, and it seems to be getting longer and longer as lifespans uh, in, increase in most countries across the world. Um, and so that the idea of, wow, there's this amazing expanse of time and there's learning that needs to happen and must happen. And so uh, the work that um, folks in the business of lifelong learning are doing seems to be just increasingly important. Yeah. And I mean, the pace is getting faster all the time and, and there are new disruptions on the horizon. I mean, we, we've talked a little bit here and there and have presented about things like, you know, artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning, all of these things that are coming along that are uh, already disrupting, you know, a large number of uh, fields and industries. And thinking about things like that, and what does that mean for the, the, the future state of your field or industry? And then again, what does that mean in terms of what people are going to need to know, what new skills, different skills are they going to have to have, and then how are you, you know, as an organizational leader, as an organization, setting the pace for the learning that's going to define the future of your field or, or industry. Um, so, you know, that that's kind of the the overall concept, and we could we could talk a lot more about it. I mean, I think it's a it's a big meaty thing, and I think it's something to you know to have front of mind for anybody who's in the business of lifelong learning these days. But um, I guess to you know to help make that a a little more concrete or make it a little more possible for folks to dig into, um, we came up with uh, seven points of, of reflection, really, uh, kind of questions to ask about um, your own perspectives, your own uh, activities, uh, both for yourself and for your organization as uh, a learning leader. So we can spend you know, the, the remainder of the podcast, I think, talking through these uh, seven reflection points and uh, giving some food for thought for, for listeners. And I'll just say that we really do consider these good reflection questions. So, you know, we're going to spend a little time reflecting on them here, but also encourage you to really uh, take a little bit of time either on your own or with your team to, to reflect on these as well. So the first point is, is and these are all questions really, um, you know, is are we supporting our learners effectively in learning to learn and helping them to really maximize the return that they get from the learning experiences that we offer? Yeah, and I think this is a, it's an important question to start with because, you know, we all spend so much time putting together learning experiences, putting together events, um, you know, putting stuff out there for learners with the assumption that they kind of know what to do with it. And, uh, you know, and we've written in the past that, um, you know, many adult learners uh, j just don't come through an education system. Most of us, you know, at least in the United States, don't come through an education system that necessarily sets us up really well to be effective lifelong learners. And, um, and then, you know, you had an interesting conversation with, um, with Dr. Brian McGowan in, in the last episode of the podcast around a similar point, really, that, you know, as we are delivering or facilitating learning experiences, in many cases, learners may not be taking the, you know, the actions um, that they need to actually make that learning part of what they're doing going forward. 
right? So being aware that um, that we it's not safe to assume that the learners know how to learn, um, and that uh, really folks haven't been exposed um, in many cases to the best ways to approach things. They've been um, kind of lulled into thinking that the learning should be easy, and you kind of can can just cram it in if you have to. But we know from um, we you know also talked with. Um, one of the authors of Make It Stick and, you know, just that the idea of, of spacing and interleaving and these, these ideas that we know make for more effective learning, but often you get pushback from, from learners because it makes it harder Mm -hmm. and, but it actually strengthens the learning. So, you know, I think there's that helping, um, our learners to appreciate um, why we're doing things a certain way and to make them aware of, of the benefits of, of the difficulty. And I, I think it's really probably one of the greatest services that any organization that is effectively leading learning can do for its members, its constituents, its customers, whatever the, the case might be, is to help them understand you know what constitutes effective learning and to help them build that skill over time. I think uh, we, we have that as the first point of reflection because I think it probably is, you know, point number one and and really making sure you're being effective as a learning leader. So the second question um, we have to pose is, are we investing in the performance and effectiveness of our subject matter experts, presenters, and facilitators? So, you know, the first point really talks about helping the learners. And the second um, question, it's really focused on then the, the people who are trying to help those learners. So, you know, you have to help the learners know how to learn. And then we also have to make sure that we're helping um, the facilitators and the teachers that are there to support the learners, that they understand how effective learning happens. Yeah, an incredibly important point. And we're seeing some progress on this, some organizations making more time around their events, their webinars, those sorts of things to, you know, help build the skills of their presenters, their facilitators. But it, it, this is based on the recognition that, uh, you know, a lot of times, particularly with trade and professional associations, but also with, you know, a wide variety of other types of organizations, you have these experts and they know their stuff. I mean, they definitely know their stuff. You know, oftentimes they've got advanced degrees and years and years of experience, but that doesn't mean that they're great teachers. It doesn't mean that they know how to facilitate learning effectively and to help those learners out, you know, that we were just talking about. So really investing time as an organization, you know, with um, uh, preparation, with supporting documentation, with modeling, with mentoring, you know, the things that are really going to help your subject matter experts come up to speed and be truly excellent. Again, I think that's definitely a mark of an organization that is leading learning. And I think, too, that with this idea of supporting the, the experts and and there's the idea too that that's really helping you as an organization preserve uh, an important relationship that I think that, you know, again, we've talked about before the, the idea of today, how technology has made it so much easier and lowered so many barriers that you can have the, the individual entrepreneurial expert who goes out and can share her stuff and can kind of set up her own shop and bypass the organization. But I think part of what you're doing, if you're investing in that performance and effectiveness of those experts, that's going to help make them be loyal to you as an organization. Yeah, definitely deepening that relationship. And we've made the point before too, that this can be a particularly uh, strong way to build relationships and cultivate relationships with, with younger members and to position this as a benefit that you are going to help them be, you know, effective facilitators of learning. And that's, a, that's an incredibly powerful skill uh, and valuable skill to have today. So if you as an organization are helping to make that happen, you know, for these millennials and everybody else that everybody's so worried about, that, that ups your value as, a, as an organization. 
So let's talk about um, the the third point here. We've been focusing on you know the the people involved in learning, um, the learners and the subject matter experts or, or facilitators. But now moving into you know the the nature of the learning itself. And, and number three, our question is you know are we thinking and acting in terms of networks and relationships instead of transactions? So are we treating learning really as a process rather than as an event? And I think that, uh, you know, that's really key. And and I think we at least intellectually all get that it's really not about uh, uh, the an event. Um, we, I think, all intuitively sort of understand that it, it has to be, uh, you know, beyond whatever happens in the two days you can bring a group of people together. And I think it's really about connecting people with one another and then making sure that you're connecting with the people in a, in a meaningful way and that they're connecting with each other in a many, meaningful way. So it's the connection and it's the the meaning, the purpose behind that connection. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of the reason that, um, that we started this podcast in the first place was to start, you know, building some connections, um, making some connections before the original Leading Learning Symposium, and then to be able to carry that on afterwards. So to keep you know, a, a conversation going over time and continue to build those connections and, and think of uh, the learning that was going on, not as you know, that, that two days in Baltimore, but as the time leading up to it and all the time after it um, and, and continuing to, to strengthen the learning through, in this case, you know, the, a podcast being a mechanism for doing that. But there's so many ways to do that, you know, online communities, um, just, you know, c- continually being engaged in social media, um, you know, all, all of the sorts of ways that, that people do normally um, communicate with each other. But I think as an organization that, that's leading learning, you need to be thinking about that. And as you think about, okay, here comes our big annual event, um, you know, how are we thinking about that as something that really is extended, that's a process over time, and that event is just sort of one point in that overall process, and here's how we're going to support going up to it, here's how we're going to you know, facilitate and support um, after it, so we really are engaging in an ongoing process with our learners. And it can be messy to, to move away from the sort of oh, a, yeah. event yeah. or product focus and really m- embrace the idea that learning is a process because you have people entering at different points in the process and you have mm-hmm. all of those um, types of, of logistical difficulties. But again, I think we all know and that for folks to really learn and especially back to this idea if you're really looking for change in a field or industry, you have to it's going to have to be a long-term process. Yeah, I mean, there's only so much you're going to achieve in a one, two, or three-day event. You know, let's face it, most of what people, quote, learn during that time period, they will have forgotten, you know, 30 days later, unless you're really having this continuing relationship. And I I think our fourth point actually relates to that um, very well. And, and And the question here for point number four of reflection is, have we articulated a clear value story for our portfolio of learning offerings um, and, and developed you know, offerings to support that story? Yeah, and I think that this is the idea that if, if you stop looking at them as individual products and you really take that portfolio view, it, you need to ha- internally as an organization understand how the products fit together to support the overall learning process. And you have to make sure that the learners understand how those products fit together. So that's, you know, I think this idea of it, it has to be a story, the kind of mm-hmm. thing that people can kind of walk up and, and go, oh yeah, that makes sense that you have this and this and, you know, this event and this course and this book and it all fits together and I begin to, to see it and, uh, and appreciate it. Yeah, I think, you know, anybody who's coming to, um, this is probably going to be your website in, in most cases, or however they're getting to, to know you initially, you know, let's say it's uh, 
a young new member, um, you know, that's just coming out of school, coming into the field, if they can show up on your website and can see, you know, you know visually and, 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 and just in, in the materials that are reflected on the website, a path for them, you know, that, that, that spans their whole career, um, and they can see that learning path, you know, and that may be a, a combination of introductory materials and experiences that you offer them, um, some mentoring, it may be, you know, some more advanced things that happen on, on down the line, uh, maybe a certification uh, eventually, you know, there may be some sorts of um, fellowship program that, you know, happens late in career, and they can, they can see that, and they get a vision for how you are supporting them over the long term, how you're providing this incredible value uh, over the, the long term, and, and we talk about this in terms of a, a value ramp, and, and we'll we'll link to the value ramp in, in the show notes here. But uh, you know, for every major segment uh, of your membership or customer base that you serve, you ought to have this concept of, of a value ramp and, and building out that story over time for them to see. And, and the, you know, they then recognize you as a leader of their learning. You're kind of laying out that vision and that path for them. So our fifth point, uh, the fifth question is. Have we found and do we continue to seek ways to demonstrate the impact of our learning? And we had a, a whole episode on this uh, a few episodes ago, and uh, we'll link back to that. But um, I mean, that, that's probably you know one of our biggest beliefs is that uh, well, a learning should have impact. You know, in the first place, you don't want to you know engage in all these activities to to really have nothing to show for it in the end. But then also that increasingly um, you do need to be able to show it. You do need to be able to demonstrate that uh, the, the learning activities, the learning experiences that you're facilitating and providing are actually moving the dial for individual learners, um, certainly, um, but then also, you know, for the organizations that those learners work for, the companies or wherever it is that, uh, that they're working. And then, you know, to, to go back to the original comments around this whole concept of, of leading learning, I mean, this is where it all comes to fruition that, you know, ultimately, you're seeking to impact the, you know, the entire field or industry that you're serving and, and, and raise the bar. And, uh, you know, we think, you know, particularly with organizations that are concerned about uh, relevance, you know, which has been such a, a buzz term. I mean, th- this is where you want to be relevant. You want to be able to show over time that you have actually been effective, impactful with the learning that you're offering. So the extent that you're, you know, you're not measuring um, the outcomes that you're getting from learning, that you're not measuring with at least some um, subset of your learning, uh, uh, the, you know, the, the behavioral change that you're creating, if you're not looking for metrics that indicate that the learning experiences you're offering are actually having an impact on the field and industry you serve, then you need to be doing that. that that's a fundamental part of, of really being uh, effective as a learning leader. And a lot of organizations will um, take the the smile sheet approach and um, you know ask kind of questions that really aren't getting at the impact. You know, it's more focused on the logistics or more focused on how much the learners liked it. And back to a point we made earlier, right? That that learning often can be difficult, so learners may not like it because you're making mm-hmm. them work and it's requiring effort. So I'll reference yet another uh, earlier episode. We had Dr. Will Paulheimer on here talking about kind of how to remake smile sheets so that you're getting more um, effective and, and useful and truly relevant data out of those. So I think that you, you need to know that you need to be looking for the impact and then you have to figure out 
okay, what are the mechanisms we're going to use to to measure that impact? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I hope folks who are listening uh, uh, are tuned into the fact that we keep referencing other episodes here. So we've been, I mean, we've been actively thinking about this and trying to, you know, tie these themes together and, and, and connect the, the, the dots. And so the things we're talking about are things that, that we have talked about before and, and do have, you know, some other resources uh, to, to point people to. And, you know, all of this sort of weaves together a big picture. Um, but I think with our last couple of points, you know, we can start getting maybe a little bit more um, tactical uh, too and how all of, all of this fits together. And uh, so point number six is, do we understand the overlap between marketing and learning? And are we continually striving to improve our capacity to leverage that connection between uh, marketing and, and learning? There's absolutely the blur between marketing and learning. And I think people can see it just in the idea of, of content marketing, mm-hmm. which has taken over. I mean, it's this idea of you're delivering something valuable. And usually that means you're you're teaching them something. You're right. letting them learn something. And so that's that's kind of become really mainstream uh, in terms of that that relationship between marketing and how it begins to bleed into learning. And so being aware of that and then, like you're saying, making sure that you are um, continually revisiting and that you realize that you have to they have to feed off of each other and you have to keep doing um, both the marketing and the learning and, and there's a trade-off there. Yeah, and, and just to recognize too that, you know, that marketing is not a dirty word. Um, you know, I mean, good marketing should be truly valuable. And as you just you know, suggested, I mean, the best, the best content marketing, I mean, it's either going to be entertaining or educational. Um, in the best instances, it's both. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, you're, you're providing a service to your prospective learners. You're demonstrating your value. And, and we, when we talk about the value ramp, we talk about you know needing to build momentum to send people up that ramp by providing them um, with with high value educational experiences, often for free or very low cost, um, at kind of the lower part of the ramp that, that, that then builds momentum. Um, so you know, thinking of your marketing as an opportunity to educate people, but then also thinking of your education as a way to point the way to other educational opportunities. And so the seventh and, and final point for reflection is this question. Are we using technology in ways that effectively support all of the above? So the, the previous six questions. Um, and I think that we sort of hinted it at the beginning that there's been so much change in, in the, the recent years. And technology is one of those areas where there's been, you know, a huge amount of change. And that technology has opened up um, a a new tool set that we have and that can really help support learning. Yeah, technology has been the, the driver for so much of this uh, change, but then it's also uh, what's going to help us to to actually uh, deal with the change. And, um, and, you know, we purposely ended on technology here because, you know, too often in this new learning landscape, conversations begin with technology. You know, can we put a learning management system in place? You know, can we put an online community in, in place? You know, um, if we just apply uh, some technology to this, somehow we're going to be able to fix things. But you, you really ha- you have to start with the other stuff first and think about that, that overall vision for leading learning, thinking about how you need to support your learners, how you need to support your subject matter experts, how it all fits together. And then technology really is kind of the glue um, that, that, that holds everything uh, together and, and gives you uh, the tool sets you need to be able to effectively lead learning. But it's all the work that you do before that then allows you to see, okay, which technology makes right, sense right, exactly. to support us. 
So those are those are the the seven points, and um, we'll have all of these listed in the uh, the show notes for this episode. So it'll be you know written out so you can actually see them, and uh, and then be able to you know spend some time uh, on your own. Uh, or we highly recommend you know doing this w- with a team I- internally, spending some time talking through these, reflecting on them, and then potentially coming up with some actions you know related to to each of them as you move forward, and you know start to if you if you aren't already you know, to, to start to conceptualize yourself as a learning leader and conceptualize your organization as leading learning in the field or industry that uh, you serve. So to get show notes for this episode, you can go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 46. And while you're there, you're going to see various options for subscribing to the podcast, and we hope you will subscribe. In fact, you could think of that as your anniversary gift to us is, uh, as we noted at the beginning of this podcast, this marks a year for us. Um, that's all, you know, it's a, a labor of love, but there is definitely some labor there. And, um, we'd really appreciate it if you would, uh, take the time to, to subscribe, um, and also to do a, a rating, uh, a review or a review for us. Um, and that just helps uh, other folks know about the podcast and, and know about the quality of the podcast. And you can do that by going to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. And before we wrap up, I want to be sure to thank again, Com Partners for sponsoring this podcast episode. And we do also want to mention again that uh, if you are a, a learning leader or an aspiring learning leader, somebody who's a, a senior leader at your organization and who has you know financial and strategic responsibility for your education business, we would really love to have you join us in Baltimore on October 24th and 25th for the Leading Learning Symposium. And you can find out more about that at symposium.leadinglearning.com. So thanks, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.